We are in the midst of a sermon series called Just Jesus. And there are times in life that that is all you need. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So as we begin the service today, I want to start the service or this message with a video that's going to kind of set the stage for us. So check this out, and then I'll be right back with you. It's the adorable video of toddler besties that's melting hearts across planet Earth. My little legs. I know, my night is complete. <laughs> the video captures two-year-olds Maxwell and Finnegan running towards each other, arms wide open in their New York City neighborhood. They meet in a great big hug. You are just adorable. Maxwell's dad posted the moment on Facebook. This is just so beautiful. If we could all be like this. The hug is clearly striking a chord. It has millions of views. The boys met one year ago and have become inseparable. They hold hands whenever they're together and even have their own language that no one else understands. The video ends as the boys run off together towards their next adventure. They're heading to their next adventure. How many of you have been through some things this week? Let's just be honest with each other. Life happens. And you need somebody to grab you by the hand. You need somebody to come alongside of you, put their arm around you. We need a constant companion. A companion who helps us when we're in trouble. Laughs with us whenever we're in good times. Weeps with us when we're in pain. There's been some painful things happen. And when you're lonely that you just know that you have someone that's just there that's going to constantly hang out with you. When you're in the middle of a raging storm or a pandemic, hello, yes, can you hear what the Lord is saying to you? Our foundation is so critical to each of us whenever we face the storms of life. This past 18 months, there have been some inquiring questions that I have heard from some of you and from some people across the nation as we have ministered to folks. Where is God when it hurts? Does he still love me? Does he still care? Do, and a question that I think we have to answer, do I still believe what I always said that I believed in the midst of life's storms? Or do you crumble in the midst of life's storms? Does your foundation have a solid base to it so that whenever life comes and throws you a curveball, that you can plant your feet on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and know that I will not be moved. Amen. Amen? So, some of you know that I turned 60 years age, of age this past year. I know, how'd that happen? I woke, up, I woke up next to Sue that morning and I gave her an elbow, like I usually do. And I said, honey, wake up. I'm 60 and I don't know how I got here. <laughs> well, there's a few things that I've learned in my 60 years. Life is good. God has been so good to me. 40 plus years of ministry now and seeing thousands of people come to know the Lord in our baptistry and other places on top of a mountain in Pennsylvania when I first started baptizing people in um, a little pond that was uh, 
freshly melted snow in the spring. And I'm telling you, the spirit came on those people. And they come up out of that water, shouting and hollering. God has been good to me. And I also know that life is tough. So I don't know where you're at today. But in order to get through the tough times, we have got to have a solid foundation. We have got to have a constant companion to to let us know that in the midst of life, that he will never leave us. So when cancer came my way at the age of 34 and having two little toddlers running around, I needed a constant companion. When my two uh, my, two, my brother's two infant sons died. I needed, and they needed, a constant companion. When the death of my 20-year-old nephew, who was studying to be a missionary pilot, died of cancer, we all needed a constant companion. When my cousin died in a tra- tragic car accident, when Sue's parents this past year within three months of each other died we needed a constant companion a solid rock on which we could stand and I also realized that you are just like me today as I visited you over these past 14 years of ministering here at Pikes Peak Christian Church within your homes or in my office at the funeral home or at the hospital with you I have heard your stories you have shared them with me With the sudden death of a loved one, the cancer that has tragically come against you and ravaged your body, post-traumatic issues from being in wars and other things that have taken place in your life, family tragedies, and I know because I have been with you, I have heard your stories, and it is critical that in all of life that your foundation is built upon the solid rock. I want to read Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through, 20, 24 through 27. So if you have your Bible with you today, if you're watching with us online, you can turn there. If um, you have your digital instrument, um, you can look at that verse with us as well today. So in this verse... It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Somebody say the rock. Thank you, Richard. (laughs) Did you hear Richard from the back? (laughs) Yep. Uh, he gets a little excited, and I'm okay with that. So if you hear something today that, that you like, shout it out. Amen. If you hear something that's for somebody else, say, oh my. oh, my. But if you hear something for yourself, I want to hear a hearty amen today. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and the f- it fell, 
with a great crash. I want to ask you today, how's your foundation? Because the storms of life will come, my friends. They do. It's just a matter of life. We live in a fallen world and things will come against us. Life will throw you a curveball from nowhere and you'll be like, what is this? And you will need to know that you have built a solid foundation before the storms come. Can I hear an amen? amen? So the question for you today is this, and for myself and for all of you who are watching us online, have you lost your way? Are you off course? Have you just given up? When life doesn't go like you planned it, what do you do? Oh, there are a lot of worldly options. We could run to the casinos in Cripple Creek. We could go to the bottle. We could do all kinds of drugs. We could live a lifestyle that's not worthy of God. There are all kinds of options that we could run to whenever life does not go our way. So, I want to suggest to you that that constant companion is so critical and that foundation when life throws you this curveball. We need Jesus, our constant companion. So whatever journey you find yourself on today, there are three things that I believe that we need reminded about God today. Three foundational things. How many uh, construction workers do I have out there? Let me see your hands. Some, yep. So if you're building a house, you need a solid foundation, right? Jason, help me. Huh? You need a solid foundation, right? So in, from what I understand about concrete, and I might be wrong about this, but you need water. Uh, you need an ingredient called lime. I believe there's lime in concrete. And there's a hardener, and there are other ingredients. And if you skip any of those pieces, you will have... What I saw advertised just a, a few weeks ago, um, cheap concrete. I was like, I don't know. I don't want cheap concrete. Um, I, want the, I, want the, I want the real deal. And I want that in my spiritual life as well. <clears throat> so if you put these three things, my friends, in your foundation, it will secure you in walking through the journey of life. Number one. Remember this, when life throws you a curveball, Jesus is always with us. Jesus is with us. Say it with me. Jesus is with us. So he's omnipresent. It means he's everywhere all the time. It's a promise we see both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. If you turn to Exodus chapter um, 3, um, you will find this story about Moses. It's a promise that um, Moses was given, and in verse 10, it says this. First of all, go back, and, and Moses is in front of the burning bush, and he says, here am I. And then um, it goes down, and it says, I am sending you, God says, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go? Suppose the Israelites say to me, um, or they don't believe me. So he's making all these excuses why he can't um, answer God's call in his life. And Moses answered, what if they do not believe me? Or what if they do not listen to me? And God says, I am who I am. And I will 
be with you. It's a promise in the Old Testament that God is with us. Moses even goes to the, to the, the place where he says, oh, Lord, you've definitely got the wrong person. You can see that in verse 10 of chapter 4. Moses said to the Lord, O oh Lord, I am not eloquent enough speech. So he's saying, God, I can't talk. And Moses, God's reminded from, from, or Moses is reminded from God, who gave you your mouth? And then Moses gets to the point, he says, oh, Lord, just please send someone else. God will have certain things for you to do because he wants his name proclaimed, period. Simply, he has something for you to do simply just because he wants his name proclaimed. Moses was called to uh, release God's people from captivity. You too have been released if you know Christ, and you are called to release others from captivity as well. Jesus is with you. He won't let you alone. He'll stand with you and he'll back you up. So, in David's time, in Psalm 139, and I want to read this verse to you. Psalm 139, you can uh, look at that verse. David's reminded, too, that God is with him. Look at it. Where can I go from your spirit, David says? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. David asked, where can I go? And the answer is nowhere. I see your head shaking, nowhere. You can't hide. You can't, you can't go through life and, and know God and, and come to that point where he says, ah, I'm done with you. Never happened. And then in the New Testament, Jesus words to the disciples. I am sending you another, um, Jesus says. Let's look at that. John 14, 16. You want to flip there real quick to me, with me. Uh, John 14, uh, 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give to you another, the Counselor, to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. My friends, before Jesus went to the cross, he told his disciples that he would send them a companion. Remember, believers, and understand this today, that Jesus, in the person of the Holy Spirit, has taken up residence in you. And that is a good place to be, a good place to understand that whenever you accept Jesus, Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, that he lives within you. So there's no place that you can go on, on this earth that you will ever be alone. At no point in trusting Jesus as your Savior have we ever been uh, um, helpless. Hello? Even if that is how you felt. He is always present and actively working in our lives. So when you're in the middle of a raging storm, and we know that they will come. Anybody go through something this week? Let me see your hands. Come on. Be honest, church. We as a church have been through some things this week. We as some individuals have been through some things this week. But I promise you, God is with us. Say it with me. God is with us. Jesus is with us. You can 
So <clears throat> when you're in the middle of the storm and you understand that the Holy Spirit is with you, that he is our constant companion no matter what, what life throws at you, you can sing this song. When I walk through the waters, I will be there. And through the flame, you'll not no way be drowned. You'll not no way be burned. For I am with you. So, why'd I sing it? Because that's the only thing that you're going to remember tomorrow morning. Pastor Rick tried to sing. I promise you. Somebody will ask you, what was the sermon about? Um, when I walk through the waters, I will be there and through the flame. You'll forget everything else that I said, but you will remember that Rick tried to sing. And I want you to remember the song that he tried to sing. Amen. When I get to heaven, everything is perfected. I get my singing voice. I'm going to have a baritone voice. Matt, that was for you, brother. <laughs> hey, do you know his presence? Do you know that in the midst of the storm that he's with you and that you're not going to drown, you're not going to be burned up? Well, Phyllis Berry knew it well. Phyllis was a member here for many, many years. And in September of 2019, she went home to be with the Lord. She built her foundation on Christ. When you saw her face, she radiated Christ. And upon receiving the news from um, the um, doctors, her heart person, um, she was told that she has congestive heart failure and she had only um, days um, to live. So upon going to her home, um, I went there to pray with her. Her family was all gathered around the the hospital bed, and uh, as we began to um, talk, um, she reminded me that she had prepared the way well. She had planted her foundation. She worshiped him right here in this sanctuary. She studied his word during the week in our women's Bible studies. I would see her in the hallways. She was a woman who spent much time in prayer and upon coming to this news that she only had uh, days to live, she still had that smile on her face. She knew his presence. So I asked Phyllis, with her family gathered around that bed that day, Phyllis, how do you want me to pray? And with a smile on, your, on her face, she said this, you tell Jesus to come and get me. <laughs> and that's what we did. And that night... She went home to see her king. Do you know his presence, that he is with you? Even on your deathbed, would you have a smile on your face knowing that this is temporary and that is permanent? So my friends, remember this attribute of God in the midst of life and say this with me. Jesus is omnipresent. That's a big word. He is omnipresent. Look at your neighbor and say, God is with me. Jesus is with me. So Paul asked the question then in Romans 8.31, but before we get there, the second ingredient 
that you need to put in your foundation is that Jesus believes in you. Romans 8.31. If God is for us, who can be against us? The question isn't simply who can be against you. You could answer that question all day long. Who is against you? How about disease? How about cancer? How about inflation and corruption and exhaustion and divorce? There are all kinds of calamities that confront us and fears that imprison us on a daily basis. If Paul's question were, who can be against us, we could uh, list our foes much easier than we could fight them. In life, you will need someone in your corner believing in you and fighting for you. Jesus believes in you. I remember whenever I was a, a kid playing Little League Baseball and um, later in um, middle school and high school uh, playing football and both baseball um, my mom and my grandmother would come to the games and I could hear them from, I mean, everybody could hear them, right? Ricky, go! <laughs> like, everybody could hear them. The players on the field could turn and they would turn up into the stands and say, who is that? Hey, Speedy, is that your mom? And they called me Speedy because I was, I was pretty quick back in the day. I know, looking at this, you... <laughs> Yes, this was speedy at one time. <laughs> Just remember, the turtle wins the race. <laughs> yes, that was my mom and my grandmother screaming at the top of their lungs. You will need somebody in your corner shouting from the stands, believing in you. Well, Jesus believes in you. There's a story that I want to share with you, and it goes like this. I think it's very appropriate, and it leads to our point today. Mrs. Thompson was a school teacher and a good one. Any school teachers out there? Yep, I see those hands. Teddy Stoller was a student in her class, certainly qualified as one of the least disinterested in school. Musty, wrinkled clothes, hair never combed, one of the kids in the school with an expressionless face, sort of a glassy unfocused stare. And when Mrs. Thompson spoke to Teddy, he always spoke in monosyllables, unattractive, unmotivated, distant, and just plain hard to like. Even though the teacher said she loved all in her class the same, down inside she wasn't being completely truthful. Whenever she marked Teddy's papers, she got pleasure out of putting X's next to the wrong answers. And when putting F's at the top of the page, she always did it with a flare. She, always, she, she should have known better, for she had Teddy's records. She knew more about Teddy than she wanted to admit. The records read, Teddy, first grade. Teddy shows promise, promise with his work and attitude, but has a poor home situation. Second grade, Teddy could do better. His mother is seriously ill. He receives little help at home. Third grade, Teddy is very slow, but well-behaved. His father shows 
no interest. Well, Christmas came and the boys and girls brought Christmas presents to Miss Thompson. They piled the presents on her desk and crowded around to watch her open them. Among the beautiful wrapped presents, there was one from Teddy Stoller. She was surprised that Teddy had brought her a gift. Teddy's gift was wrapped in a brown paper bag and held together with masking tape. On the paper were written the simple words. To Mrs. Thompson from Teddy. When she opened Teddy's present, out fell a gaudy rhinestone bracelet with half the stones missing and a bottle of cheap perfume. The other boys and girls began to smirk as Teddy, at Teddy's gift, and Mrs. Thompson had enough sense to silence them by immediately putting on the bracelet and some of the perfume on her wrist. Holding her hand out for the other children to smell, she said, doesn't it smell lovely? And the children, taking their cue from their teacher, responded with oohs and ahs. At the end of the day, when school was out and all the other children were gone, Teddy lingered behind. He slowly came over to Mrs. Thompson's desk, Miss Thompson, and said softly, Miss Thompson, you smell just like my mom. And her bracelet looks real pretty on you, too. I'm glad you like my presence. When Teddy left, Mrs. Thompson got down on her knees and asked God to forgive her. The next day, when the children came back to school, they were welcomed by a new teacher. Miss Thompson had become a new person. She was no longer just a teacher. She was an agent of God. She was now a person committed to loving her children and doing things that would live long after her. She helped all the children, especially the slow ones, with an extra effort towards Teddy. By the end of that school year, he had showed dramatic improvement. He had caught up with most of the students, as was even ahead of some. Well, that year ended, and she didn't hear from Teddy for a long time. Then one day, she received a note that read, Dear Mrs. Thompson, I wanted you to be the first to know that I will be graduating second in my class. Love, Teddy Stoller. I see you crying too. And then four years later, another note. Dear Mrs. Thompson, they just told me I'll be graduating first in my class. I wanted you to be the first to know. Love, Teddy Stoller. And then four years later, another note. Dear Miss Thompson, as of today, I am Theodore Stoller, MD. How about that? I wanted you to be the first to know. Oh, by the way, I'm getting married next month on the 27th to be exact, and I want you to come and sit where my mother would have. 
if she were alive. You're the only family I have now. Died, Dad died too. Love, Teddy Stoller. All right, I'll give you a moment to wipe your nose. Because I need to, too. All of us have the potential to be a Miss Thompson. The opportunity to change a life every day for God. Miss Thompson, she simply cared. How about you? And how much more, my friends, does Jesus believe in you? When he stretched his arms out on that cross for you, dying for your sins, dying for your sorrows and your pains and your visions and your goals that he's behind you and that he believes in you. Jesus believes in you and he's asking you to believe in someone else. Come on, church. You are not called just to be here to sit and warm a chair today. You have a calling on your life and it's time for you to discover it and a time for you to know that God says he's going to be with you and that he believes in you. Say this with me. Jesus is for me. Jesus is for me. Say it again. Jesus is for me. God is for me. <clears throat> so your parents may have forgotten you. Your teachers may have neglected you. Your siblings may have be ashamed of you. But within the reach of your prayers is the maker of the oceans. Amen. Jesus is for you. Not maybe. Not has been. Not was. But Jesus is. He is for you. Today, at this hour, at this minute, as you hear this message, he is for you. Jesus is for you. He believes in you. So I loved it when my grandmother and my mom were in the stands cheering for me. Jesus says this in the Bible. God will rejoice over you. And like my, my, my mom and my grandmother you can turn to the sidelines and hear Jesus cheering your run. Look past the finish line of that race that you're on. That, that's Jesus applauding your steps. Listen for him in the bleachers shouting your name. Come on, Richard, let's go. Come on, Troy. You got this. Let's go. And he's saying the same thing to individuals throughout this room today and to the church. Come on, church. Let's go. I believe in you. Amen. He believes in us. So when the storms of life come, and they are coming against you, he's cheering you on. Come on. Remember, Paul answers the question in Romans. God is for me. Don't forget it. To have a solid foundation, you will need this third ingredient in your life. Jesus will empower you. We serve a God who is omnipotent. That's a big word. Omnipotent. It means that he is all-powerful. In Mark chapter 4, we've have this story of Jesus in the boat uh, with the disciples. 
if you want to look at it with me real quick. Mark chapter 4, and it says this, The day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took along just as um, he was in the boat. And where also there were also other boats. And it says this, a furious squall, a storm came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Can you believe it? Who is this guy? There's a storm all around him, and he's, a, he's in the stern of the boat on a cushion, sleeping. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up, he rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet! Be still. Then the wind died down, and he and it was completely calm. What storms do you have in your life today? I'm sure you have some today. You've come here, and you're wanting to hear what God has for you today. My friends, in the midst of the storms of life, remember this. He speaks to the storms and says, be still. Silence. Stop. And it's twofold. It's twofold in this way. To get you through and then to get others through as well. He empowers you not just for you. You would be dangerous without him being present with his power. Look at what he did in Matthew 28. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave this charge. You can write this down. God authorized me and commanded me to commission you. That commission means he empowers you. And then he says, I'll be with you as you do this day after day, right up to the end of age. So two things. He will empower us, and he reminds us that you are not alone when I send you out to do the work. So when Jesus has a job to do, that, or when Jesus has a job that needs to be done, be ready. Whatever he asks you to do, he will empower you. Why? Simply to make his name known. There's no other reason. And I've, I've seen over the years where people have walked in the power of the Lord and their head gets a little big, they get puffed up, and uh, they lose focus. Why does God want to empower you? Just simply to make him known. And here's how. First, to proclaim Christ. And I want to share a little story with you. Years ago, Sue and I, we didn't have kids yet, but we were sitting in, in the living room, and I could see through the um, sliding glass door that there was a salesman approaching our house. How I many of you have been there? You see this salesman coming? Lock the door, honey. Turn the TV up loud. Can't hear the doorbell. Right? Run to the basement. Nobody's home. You've been there, I know. 
So don't cringe or hide when you see a salesman coming to your door because he might want you to proclaim his name. And here's what happened to us. Kirby vacuum leader, late lady, came to our door. Um, her name was Lisa. She knocks on the door. Hi, my name's Lisa. My, she's got this beautiful, shiny Kirby vacuum cleaner back in the day. It was the thing, you know. And um, I heard an amen over here. <laughs> As Lisa came into our house that day, um, God began to speak to me, and I could hear her voice crying out of the pit of hell, literally. And in the midst of her presentation that about this Kirby vacuum cleaner, I mean, it could suck up dirt like no vacuum could ever do. It could shampoo my rugs it could do the couch it could do your mattress it could do the dog it could do the cat and even your gerbil (laughs) (laughs) and as I sat there listening to all that I just um, gently just interrupted her and said Lisa I know you came to sell me a Kirby vacuum cleaner today but I believe that God has a different plan today And I began to walk in his empowerment, listening to his voice, and presented the gospel to Jesus that, or to to Lisa that day. And before we were done, Lisa was on her knees, bawling her eyes out. Amen. And she accepted Jesus right there on our living room. Rest of the story, I have a Kirby vacuum cleaner. <laughs> yes, I gave in. I said, you, you can't lead somebody to the Lord and then tell them, no, thank you. <laughs> he will empower you. He'll, he'll use you to get the job done, to glorify his name. Can I hear an Amen. So when I was an intern, um, so I wanted to, you know, proclaim Christ and also walk in his power. As I was an intern when I was in seminary at Oral Roberts University. And um, I was at this church. It was uh, 12,000 in attendance. We would have 300 visitors on a weekly basis. And it was my job as an intern to have a team put together to call all these individuals that would visit us on a, on a, on a weekly basis. And I received this card, and on the card was this gal's name. Her name was Beth. And Beth uh, just gave me a little bit of information that she had a physical issue that she needed someone to come over and pray with her. So I went to her home, and I prayed with her, and she began to share with me that the doctors had just diagnosed her with a brain tumor. And in the midst of all that, um, she um, lost her driver's license because she couldn't drive anymore. Young mom of four, little children, husband didn't know the Lord, and uh, she told me this story. And the doctors had uh, said to her, now Beth, I want you to understand that we're only going to be able to take about 40 to 60% of this brain tumor out. Because it's like an octopus. It has, it has tentacles that go around, not just around your brain, but it goes through your brain. And it's encapsulated. 
and it's just squeezing. So we're only going to be able to get a certain percentage of this out, and we're hoping that we'll be able to give you um, some kind of functional life. Well, whenever she went into the hospital that night to, um, to um, do the pre-op the day before, um, God spoke to me and said, um, Rick, I want you to go pray with her. And I'm already in the car, and I thought, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go pray. And I heard God say, take my word. So I had the Bible in my office. It's all ragged, and the pages are falling out of it now. This is a new one. Um, but that Bible, I, ran, I drove back to the house because I heard the word of the Lord, take my word. And when I got into the hospital room, I had that Bible, and I heard the Lord say, um, lay my word on top of her head. So that's exactly what I did. And her head was shaved. They had prepared her, and they were going to you know, do the surgery the next day. And I prayed, Beth, um, I want you to know that the Lord told me to bring, bring the word, and that it is only in the power of my word that healing comes. And that's exactly how I prayed. So the doctors the next day, they, uh, we were all in the, in the waiting room, her husband, her parents, her four children, and we waited for hours and hours and hours. And then the door opened to that waiting room, and the doctor had this look on his face in total amazement. He said, I don't know how to explain this, but whenever I... Um, and took the top of her, her skull apart, this tumor fell out completely in my hands. <clears throat> Jesus wants to use even interns. <laughs> and he wants to use you. Now, was there anything in me? Absolutely not. All I did was say yes to Jesus that day. He will empower you to proclaim his name. Here's the rest of the story. After that doctor left, her husband fell on his knees and accepted Jesus right there in that waiting room. <clears throat> he will use you to, um, to make his name known. He will empower you. So, my friends, remember this. Your foundation is so critical in the midst of the uh, life storms. Not just for you, but there's others out there that need to be rescued. When life rattles you, don't let the distractions deter you from what God's called you to do. Put these three ingredients in your foundation. And like we read in Matthew chapter 7 at the beginning of the service, when the storms come, your house will stand. Remember, Jesus is with you. He believes in you. And he will empower you to proclaim his name. Last question. How's your foundation? Are you rock solid? Let's go, church. Let's go, my friends. We have a work to do, and it's not just good enough to come here and 
get your ears tickled today and just feel good. It is time to take the authority in Jesus that he's given to you and to make a difference in this world. Amen? Amen. I want to pray for you today because I know that there are going to be some stories in this next week uh, where God's going to use you in a great and mighty way. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to come and hear your word, Lord. Father, there's lots of things that come our way and just shake us. And God, I pray today that each one here, each one that has listened to us online today, Father, that they would be encouraged to know that you are with us, that you believe in us, that you are cheering from heaven. And Father, that you will empower us by the power of your spirit. So Jesus, be our constant companion and speak to us in this hour in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go, church. If you have a prayer need today, our prayer partners are going to be up here. I invite the prayer partners up right now. Um, If you have something that you want to be prayed for or over um, about today, please come. But as you go out those doors, be reminded that God is going to use you this week. Amen.